You're listening to DraftKings Network. These table things yeah, look, make me laugh so hard. Because it's the like. It's like an evening gown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a. It's like a. Uh, an, I have a bandage dress for the table. Expect the table to the sashay away. Like, <laughs> well, boys. <laughs> Oddball! Amino Hassan, Charlotte Wilder's tricep. I don't know what I'm looking at there. Did you think Dirk was your co-host today, Amin? We've got a hell of a show for you today. Uh, as you could probably tell, we're doing Dirk Day today. We're going to have a great conversation with lifelong Dirk fanatic, Jason Gallagher. You know him, you love him. He used to be on The Ringer. Now he works with J.J. Redick on his podcast, Without further ado, let's throw it to our little capsule. This is Dirk Nowitzki's life. The master of the one-legged fadeaway, Dirk Nowitzki forever changed the notion of how the power forward position should be played with his perimeter-focused jump-shooting attack. A 14-time All-Star and 12-time All-NBA fixture, Dirk was a major part of the transformation of the Dallas Mavericks from league laughingstock to one of the winningest organizations of the 21st century. The son of professional athletes, Dirk burst onto the NBA radar as a 19-year-old with a standout performance during an exhibition game against Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen. Six months later, he wowed scouts during a dominant performance at the Nike Hoop Summit, an annual event pitting the best American and international high school players against each other. The strong showing led to Dirk being selected ninth overall in the 1998 NBA draft by the Milwaukee Bucks, who then executed a draft day deal to send him to Dallas the only team he would play for during his 21-year career. Dirk's career had an inauspicious start as he struggled mightily in his rookie season. But over the next two years, his game experienced leaps and bounds. And by his fourth season, he was named an All-Star, the first of 11 consecutive trips he made to the midseason Classic. In 2006, he led the Mavs to their first NBA Finals appearance. But despite enjoying a 2-0 lead in the series, Dallas would ultimately fall in six games to the Miami Heat. The following season, Dirk dominated the league en route to an MVP award, leading the Mavs to the NBA's best record that season with 67 wins, losing in six games to the We Believe Golden State Warriors. Finally, in 2011, Dirk and the Mavs would pull off one of the greatest upsets in NBA history, defeating the vaunted Big Three Miami Heat in six games en route to the NBA championship, and Dirk was recognized with Finals MVP. In international play, Dirk led Germany to a bronze medal at the 2002 World Championships and a silver medal at the 2005 Eurobasket, where he would earn tournament MVP honors. Dirk Nowitzki, welcome to Basketball Immortality. He is the producer of the Old Man in the Three podcast, with J.J. Redick, of course. And he is perhaps the world's foremost Dirk superfan. His name is Jason Gallagher, and as you see on your screen right now, he is dressed ridiculously. What are you wearing, Jason? I'm wearing uh, a commemorative Dirk Nowitzki, uh, sort of like champagne gold uh, jersey that that they were selling uh, during his last season. So, so Jason, let me, a, let me let me just start. Beautiful. Yeah, no, it's not beautiful. It's hideous. Uh, let me just start <laughs> you off, Jason, with the I guess the obvious question is why Dirk? Why, why you off air when we were talking, you and you and I in Charlotte, you said that 
this is the only thing in your life that you will still re- revert back to a stupid fan and argue with other stupid fans about on the internet. This is Dirk Nowitzki. So, why? Well, I, I mean, Dirk Dirk means a lot to basketball fans in Dallas, obviously. Um, in within Dallas, you know, it's a, it's a pro football town, even to this day, even though with a lack of success, it is a pro football town. And so when you like basketball in Dallas, you're like in your own little club. And with Dirk, like if you were in early, it was it was the band before it got popular kind of thing. And um, and so we you know, you felt attached to me as such a storied career, um, one that's that I mean, you guys know it's like the ups and downs are pretty insane um and so and so it you know anyone who anyone who who watched his entire career there's controversy he's fun to compare to other power forwards of his generation uh fun to compare the mavericks to other great teams of that generation and so uh, yeah, I don't know. It, there's there's a lot to debate about with Dirk, um, but I, you know, you know, I, I just it's also like a, it was a formidable time in my life. Uh, it's why I probably do what I do. I love the idea of like, oh, you like you like the Mavs? Name three of their songs. Uh, Jason getting all all territorial. Um, Brian what's Hart. the yeah. <laughs> what's the Dirk debate that gets you the most heated? Like, what's something that someone on Twitter will say that you'll be like, I literally cannot not take this bait. I take the KG versus Dirk bait every single time. I take it every single time. Look, you don't hear Dallas fans ever being like Dirk versus Duncan. Like it doesn't happen because we know. Um, And I feel as though uh, Dirk versus KG, I, I, I feel, I genuinely wouldn't surprise me if like my last words on earth are like Dirk's better. (laughs) Obviously there was one perception of him for much of his career and then he wins a title, and then everything totally changes after that. By virtue of winning a title, he's not playing any differently than he did before, but now all of a sudden everyone's kind of patting him on the back. Well, I mean, it, it obviously felt good as a, as someone who never turned. Uh, you can find receipts. Well, you probably can't, but, but if you ask my friends, uh, they would tell you I never... I never stopped believing in the guy. And what was really interesting watching the outside, you know, uh, general NBA fandom watch him was like, I don't feel like 2011 was Dirk at his peak. It might have been Dirk as his, at his peak in terms of uh, uh, basketball intelligence and and all of that. But like that 2005 to 2008 range was mm-hmm. was pretty killer. And so it was it was wild to see like um, to see the outside you know fandom watch him but but you know what was interesting is that is that he the way he won was such a disney movie anyways um that i think that as a fan you really wouldn't want it any other way like i had it was it was a weird experience to be like i'm 20 something and i i don't think i'll ever have a, a sports fan moment like this again that is so written like this that he came into the league and he was uh you know not great his first year and then if you if you saw those glimpses, you really believed like early, early. And then he just, you know, there was a lot of disappointment that led up. I mean, it, I think after 2008, from like 2008 to 2011, he, you know, the Mavs were nicknamed the one and done boys by Dallas local sports radio. Wow. And, um, you know, and a lot of people wanted Dirk traded and yada, yada. And so to see it happen that way 
um, that's about as good as it's going to get as, as, as a fan of, especially of the NBA with so much movement and so much, you know, whatever it's like, I don't know. I, I, I you wouldn't want it any other way. And then the, the play, the teams and the players he had to beat. Um, I don't know. I, I, it felt like we were just like, it felt like everyone, we were just like, you like us. Like, that's what it felt like. It was wild. As a fan, I'm always, uh, I'm fascinated by how people measure pain and joy. What was greater, the pain of losing in 06 or the joy of winning in 2011? Definitely the joy. But but but, but if if the roles were reversed, I don't know. I mean, that's why, you know, sometimes people are like, do you hate the heat? And it's like, no, we got him back. Like, I have no no no, no issues with Dwayne Wade. I still have issues with Bennett Salvatore. <laughs> um, so your son, Isaac, now I've seen, you know, all of your wonderful videos with him, who's become a huge Luca fan. And what's the difference, you know, you being in your 20s and having this experience with Dirk and then, you know, obviously there's not the championship yet for Isaac, but seeing him go through it. What is that like as a fan, but also a parent? And have you well, and have you indoctrinated him into the, the gospel of Dirk? I, I assume yes. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, every time, even with Luca, who I love, you all know that I love him. But like, uh, I, I almost feel like old man, like Luca obviously came in immediately good. And Isaac would be like, he's awesome. And, I, and I, there's a part of me that's like, you haven't felt pain yet. You don't know. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You just you you come back and talk to me after Luca lets you down a few years and tell me if you still, you know, like there's still that a little bit. Um, but I, I have tried to make him watch the 2011 Mavs championship documentary. Um, he doesn't, <laughs> he can't make it. Um, <laughs> just doesn't mean the same to him. Uh, you know, you know, he still says that, that Luke is like the greatest player of all time, which is right. obviously silly. Uh, cause I say it's Dirk. How prepared are you for the moment when your son Isaac is old enough to tell you that Dirk just played with plumbers and carpenters? And that Luke is a million times better, obviously. I mean, no, that's totally fine. I, 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 I expect that they will come. I feel like, you know, it already kind of happens on the internet. Um, like, I, you know, I, I, you guys follow NBA Twitter. There's already like when Jokic wins or this happened with Giannis one where immediately it becomes like this retroactive, like actually like the, the, power forwards to centers of uh, you know 10 years ago weren't that good you know and it's sort of like um the i i expect that isaac will kind of be that way but but um it won't be for lack of trying i'm going to show him so many highlights and be like son dirk could play now and i and he would be awesome right now especially because um because you know the way that the nba is played is is very much tailored to his early game so he would have crushed What's one moment of Dirk that you think or like one play or even one snapshot of him that when you think of Dirk, you think like, oh, this is a moment that encapsulates who he was as a player or who he is as a a person. Him walking in the tunnel with the tinfoil meal that his (laughs) wife prepared. And I I just am like, if you ever want like a, a snapshot of who he is as an athlete and everything like that, like just know there was no frills about him. He he dressed like he was an insurance salesman and he brought 
his little foil plate every game. And it was just like, that's that to me is who Dirk is. Uh, Jason, what was your reaction when you saw the Dirk Nowitzki statue that looked like he was hoisting anal beads? Yeah, I'm really glad they got rid of the three balls or whatever yeah. that was supposed to be. That was pretty wild. Um, the statue itself is pretty cool. Now that they've removed the anal beads. Obviously, yes. That would have been a tough look. And when we saw the, like, the, the whatever, um, the little prototype, I was like, yeah. you got to be kidding me. Like, we can't do this to him. It's like, don't overthink it. There's one ball. He didn't shoot three <laughs> balls at the same time. What? Why would we do this? Um, so I'm very glad that that they, I'm glad they put that out there as a feeler first. And then I'm glad they listened yeah. to, to people. Every time I see something like that, I think to myself, like, you showed this to multiple people and nobody said, that looks like anal beads. They just, Sports statues. Great, great boss. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> All the yeah. way up. Sports statues in general have a really tough time. Like the Ronaldo statue where he just looks like his face got sort of like melded into itself. So yeah. and it's not, Dirk, Dirk did well. Like I love um, one of the funnier ones to me is the Shaq statue outside of Staples. Yeah, It's a cool <laughs> statue, but like if you go up to it, A, you can't take a picture with it because it looks weird. B, you're literally just looking at his like ass like it's it's just so weird i don't know it's it, uh, the staple statues always tickle me because it literally looks like and i'm sure this is what it was someone said hey we need to put up another statue um uh oh here let's do it right here it's just there's yeah. no rhyme or reason or order they're just everywhere <laughs> scattered about uh but you know what they got a lot of statues i get it it's hard to kind of plan that sort of thing ahead of time uh jason yeah. So I, I just want to go back to your lowest moment of fanhood. Was it 2006 losing in the finals, or was it 2007 losing at a, as a one seed? 2007. It was just like, because 2006, there was like, I mean, there's a built-in excuse. <laughs> we were just like, oh. I mean, I had a whole theory. I was like, yeah, the NBA wants Dwayne Wade to be the next Michael Jordan. Like, you know, that's the kind mm-hmm. of guy I was watching it. And, um, you know, there, there's the phantom calls, um, you know, like I said, Bennett Salvatore, which which is really funny. JJ, I went to a Nets game last year with JJ, and, and, he, in, and, and like, he introduced me to Bennett Salvatore. No. And it was like... It was like the crazy, he could have, I, the emotional reaction I had shaking that man was wild and he was super charming and I hated it. Um, and then, but, but 2007 was tough just because there was no excuse. Like if you were, they were, they were way, it seemed like they were way better in 2007. Um, and then it was just like really hard to defend Dirk after that. Like it was really difficult to be like, no, he's, he's, he's definitely not you know, soft, like you couldn't say that in a way, like you couldn't, you couldn't combat that, uh, that criticism. So we, that sucked. How's it, we, how's it feel having uh Dwayne Wade and, and Dirk in the same hall of fame class? It's annoying. I gotta be honest. <laughs> we, uh, uh, one last thing about 2007. I remember, uh, we played the Warriors late that season and Don Nelson told Steve Nash, we want to play the Mavericks in the first round. Like, this is before the order had said. I don't even know if the, the Warriors had even clinched their playoff berth yet. They, it was still kind of up in the air. But I remember that him saying, like, we want to play them. So it, it was yeah. it was kind of surreal to, like, you know, like, oh, you know, be careful what you wish for. No, they wished for you guys. And they got all that they wished for with that series. They definitely did. And I love that they um, – there's, like, a 
a thing that they have in their arena. I yeah. think that they moved it to the chase center, the the hole in the wall that Dirk like threw the chair or whatever, and it made a hole in the wall, and then yeah. they like framed it. So Charlotte, um, Charlotte, after they lose game six and they're eliminated, Dirk is uh-huh. walking uh, towards the locker room through the tunnels of Oracle Arena, and he grabs a chair and no, he throws it like 15 feet in the sky, and it breaks a hole in the wall. And so what the Warriors did is they pinned a We Believe t-shirt above the hole and never fixed it. And I'm talking about, like, they're winning championships, and that thing is still there. And I don't know. You're you're right, Jason. I don't know. I remember telling um, Ray Ritter, who is the PR director for the Warriors, I told him they need to carve out that drywall right there and then put it in a glass case and uh, display the chase center. Now, here's the cool part of this story. Dirk signed the T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. After towards the end of his career, he signed. It. I'm I'm pretty sure they did move it. Um, if 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 what I've been told is true, that they did move it. Well, Jason, thanks so much for taking this trip down memory lane to exalt the one and only Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, please retire that hideous jersey. It, that, no, no way. No, I love it. I love it. Material. Wear it every day. Um, did you get ever get the one that was that was not a commemorative jersey. It was an actual jersey they wore. It was like a silver, silverish, nah. that one, no? You didn't get that one? I, w- I badly want that jersey. I want a, I want a silver trash bag, silver. Yeah. They called the, the Mavs fans called them the trash bag jerseys, by the way. Um, and I want, a, I want an Antoine Walker one. <laughs> little shimmy for it. All right, that's Jason Gallagher. Again, he's a producer of the Old Man and Three podcast with J.J. Reddick. Definitely want to check that out. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball and, more importantly, if you love fun, you've got to listen to Six Trophies, where Shea and Jason serve up the biggest moments from around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter, and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington in Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. Or the Lauren Hill you might win some dot dot dot, but you just lost one trophy. For the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus, a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head-scratching moments around the NBA. This playoff season, you'll want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. You guys think the Timberwolves can beat the Nuggets? Anthony Edwards is plus 1,300 to win finals MVP. Wow, that's putting the cart before the horse. And if your team isn't in the playoffs, you can wager on who's going to win in the draft lottery on May 12th. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code ODDBALL. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L 
for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Oddball. It's time to play Charlotte's favorite game, as you can tell from her background. That's right. It's on word count word. Count word, count, count word, word, count word, count word, count word, count word, count word, count word. This is the game where we ask each other questions. We've got to answer the questions in 10 words, 10 worlds, 10 words, 10 words or, words less. or less. All right. So, Charlotte, you know yes. what? You lead us off this time. I'll okay. go second. Okay. Uh, I mean, my first question for you is which player doesn't fit their current team the most and why? Which player doesn't fit their current Current team the most. Think about this. Oh, I got it. Julius Randle. <laughs> because while he puts up stats, ah! Nick's worse. <laughs> Ten words. Ten words. Yeah, we don't have any rules about grammar. No, um, it's not called grammar count. It's called word count. Yeah, I, look, he's he was all an all star last year, all NBA, and I believe a lot of that is because he puts up a very magnificent stat line, and the Knicks won games. But I don't think those two things are corroborated. If anything, he gets in the way of the team's success because I don't think he plays within a team concept well. I don't think he handles adversity well, and I think the Knicks. As I always like to say, they have a civil war going on within the Knicks, which is the players who are smart and play the game the right way versus the players who don't play the game the right way. And Julius Randle is like the general of the South right there. The, 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 the parts <laughs> of the team that don't play the game the right way versus oh Jalen Brunson, Hart, I would add DiVincenzo now, all the Villanova guys basically. The Villanova guy. Well, also New York basketball. They want that hard nose, you know, just grind it out basketball. And then all the Knicks fans are like, wow, Randall's ankle was a little bit twisted. And it's that whole. It sounds like you have to hear this a lot, like in the house. In my personal life? Yeah. That's, no. That doesn't seem like something you picked up on the streets, just walking down the street. It's just, just off it the top like, of my head. Yeah. If I could speak for mm. a Knicks fan. Um, also, I do want to remind the audience that we don't see these questions ahead of time. So yes. that makes it more impressive if you think that we sound like we don't know how to speak when we're trying to count at the same time. I know how to speak. I know how to count. I just like to win. That's all. All right. Mm-hmm. Question for you, Charlotte Wilder. What part of Jokic's game makes him the most unstoppable? What part of Jokic's game makes him the most unstoppable? Okay. Very complete game, but I'd say his passing ability. Nine words. Boom. Nice. That's actually... uh, 
oh, well, well done. It means like, holy shit, she had a good basketball answer. Like, like, like yeah, like cause sometimes like we, we get stuck in these. I got to get the ten words in. And it's like I'll give any old answer. I don't care. I don't actually believe <laughs> yeah. any of these things. But that one was like that seemed like a very well thought out basketball thought, and then expressed in nine words. Well done, Charlotte. I wow, that might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Thanks to me. Next one. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yep. What's the scenario? Wow, you got we accidentally two Knicks things here. What's the scenario that makes James Dolan sell the Knicks? Which this is like this is like when you shoot the moon, playing like hearts or like this <laughs> yeah. or the perfect game in baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Scandal. Wow. One word, two syllables. Scandal. Scandal. That's the only way I see him. There's no way he gives it. There's no amount of money you can offer him that's going to make him say, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, There's no amount of like pressure from the public of like, you do a bad job running the team. None of that matters. The only thing I think that'll make him sell is the same only thing that made Robert Sarver sell. It's the only thing that made uh, Daniel Snyder sell the Washington football team down in Washington, D.C. It's scandal because these guys mm-hmm. are impervious to any other pressure. Uh, well, you know, thankfully there's no scandal and we love James Dolan and I hope I'm not banned from MSG. Uh, Amin, take it away. Again, spoken like someone who has something happening in her home that well, has to keep her Nick relationships Above board, I guess. All right. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say one word, none, but scandal, scandal. that's optimistic. Scandal, scandal get it done. Scandal, yeah. get it done. All right. So it's all these scandalous people that know. Uh, all right, here we go. Last question, Charlotte Wilder. Yes, sir. What fan base should feel the most worried this season and why? Which fan base should feel the most worried this season and why? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer this in ten questions, but I want to preface well, it that well, I have words, two versions of the answer. Because I don't need ten more questions from you. I just need ten words. Ugh. Okay. All right. Well, Detroit, because they're very bad. But actually, the Celtics. Bang. Okay. There you go. All right. Why? Because so I mean, Detroit is just bad. So they're, they're that if you're worried. a fan bit, when you're when you look when you know you're bad, you can't be worried. You can still worry that you'll never be good, but the stakes here are really that uh, the Celtics fans should be the most worried because everyone's like, oh, well, if they don't do it now, and then what if Jalen Brown leaves next year, and then they just got Krista, and the window's closing, blah, 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 blah. I don't know that that's true, but I think that there's the most pressure, and when there's the most pressure to win something and expectations, that's when you get the most worried that it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm going to agree with you on the Celtics for this reason. I think they're the ones who made the most drastic changes to their team, right? They traded away their heart and soul, Marcus Smart. They let Grant Williams basically walk for mm-hmm. not much in return. And they went out and got a guy who's talented but also gets hurt a lot. And, and there's a, an even increased pressure of leadership on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, this could all blow up magnificently in their faces, right? Two, two years removed from going to the finals, they let go of the coach uh, who got them there. Uh, they replaced him with a quite eccentric uh, person as their coach. They let go of their heart and soul guy. They replaced him with someone who's been hurt and has been bounced around in the league from the Knicks to the Mavericks to the Wizards. There's a lot of change that has happened from a Celtics outfit that's, that was reasonably successful 
uh, by NBA standards over the last decade or so. And it's like, this is the most different it's ever been. Yeah. Is this going to work or is this going to be like, oh, man, we were there. And instead of taking that step forward, we've taken massive steps backward. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, I feel like it's going to be the latter, but uh, ever hopeful, we shall see. Thank you. Well said. No, you don't like it when I thank people for watching Word Count. No, but I don't. Thank you for watching Word Count. Cat's out of the bag. This show's over. And the dog's in the house. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.